Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's good to be with you this morning. And my name's Tim. Hey, man, are you getting a Super Bowl fever going yet? Or go Broncos! I predict. Wait a minute. I see it in the future. Yeah, somebody's going to win. Okay. Was it today the Pro Bowl? Was that yesterday? Or who cares? Good to be together with you this morning. I'm glad you could be here. I know there's other churches you could go and visit or come come to, but man, it's great to have you with us. And if you're a first time guest, sit back, relax. We're we're going to look at some things. We're starting a new series today. You couldn't have picked a better time to come. And uh, we're going to be doing that in just a few minutes. But uh, you're going to see a set of notes in, in your uh, bulletin. Open them up. You can, you'll notice uh, uh, there's a set of notes there where you can fill in the blanks or maybe circle a word or two. I want to encourage you to go home and look at these notes and reflect on them all week because they're very, they're very uh, important. And we really, God wants to have his word in your life. And uh, sometimes we need to go back over them again and again. Uh, I know I do. Uh, let's see, uh, there's been a couple things that's happened. Uh, first of all, uh, if you haven't heard, you know, uh, Chris, Chris Hamlin is his home now, and she did really well. And so uh, if you want to send a text or send a card or whatever, she'll be recuperating there, at, you know, her and Alan. Alan's right now taking care of her. Uh, also, Bob Bader went through his procedure just fine. And, uh, yeah, they found out he was clean on the inside like we didn't know that. What a cute thing to say. But, but, he's also, but he is going back. You're going back in three weeks. Is that right, Bob? And, and they're going to uh, repair a valve. He said it's like a, this valve is like a parachute in the heart. I don't understand. I understand parachute. And he says they're going to put a few more strings on the parachute, is what I understand, so it'll work properly. So that's great. We'd be praying for Bob because that's going to be happening in three weeks. Uh, also, the last, uh, uh, last Sunday after our services, we had a baptism. And... Uh, Christy Harders was baptized, and uh, you want to? Do we have? Do we have anything to give her, Janet? Yeah, I thought so. And if you want to get a mic, we could just. Why don't we come to you? That might be easier. There's Danny. This is Danny's mic, and Janet's going to tell you a little bit about Christy and a little bit about the study and and how excited we are to have her as a part of our church. Checky, checky, checky. There you go. Hi, my name is Janet, and Stephanie and I. We can't hear you. I can't hear you. I've always wanted to say that to you guys. I can't hear you. Hi, my name is Janet, and Stephanie and I have uh, been studying with um, Chrissy for a couple of months. It's uh, it's been a great time. We've we've gotten to know Chrissy really well, and um, we've just had a friendship that's been bonding, and it's getting better and better all the time. You know, one of the amazing things about God is, you know, her daughter came here first, and and then Chrissy started coming, and you know, here we are. And um, it's just amazing the things that God has in plan for each and every one of us. And I just want you to know that we love you and that uh, we got a little stuff for you. we got a Bible, an everyday reading Bible, and we've got a little um, journal type thing that um, I'll be getting with you about once a week. And um, we'll be going over the Word and just so we can stay in it. And, you know, these baby Christians, we need to help them grow, guys. They need all the love that they can get, you know, just hugs and everything else. And I'm just um, glad that God has used me. And you know what? God's going to use you, too. Praise God. Amen. We're starting a new series called Under New Management. And, uh, well, actually, 
we're not really starting the series, in, but in two weeks. So what I'm doing is a prequel. A, a prequel to the sequel. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, just two lessons, though, for the prequel. Am I right? Okay. Look at, have you ever seen a sign like this? Pat, you want to show a sign? Do we, can we see that? Or is there a pass? What is, what, what's happening, Pat? Hello, Pat. You there? Hello? Have you guys ever seen a sign that says something like that under new management? We see it all the time, don't we? I saw a church one time that had it on their thing under new management. Praise God, you know. Um, but, you know, we'll see something like that. And what is that. When you see something like that, what does that tell you? Something's changing. Maybe things weren't so good before. Look at this next picture. I had some fun. Look, it says on the little sign, not nearly as terrible as it used to be. And the owners are looking at that, and he says, you know, I still think under new management is better. <laughs> you know, and maybe that's true. You know, when you see a sign like that, you think, man, uh, hopefully it's going to be better than it was. It indicates maybe something wasn't doing so well before. Look at this next one. Picture's worth a thousand words, guys. That's a cat. And it's watching sheep. Cats always think they can do a better job than dogs, don't they? Yeah. You cat lovers, look at that. Isn't that something? But here's one of my favorite. Here's how you know something. This is under new management right here. You see, we know with a sign like that, when we see the sign under new management, we know at least this is true. Things are changing. Drastically, maybe, in some cases. And I hope, and we hope, you know, here at Greater Alton, whether you're a guest here or as a member, I hope and I pray for you that 2014 will be a year where you, you find out, I'm under new management. I'm under new leadership. I'm under new ownership. And because of that, everything changes. Look, uh, I think, uh, look how, what David says here in your notes up here on the screen. Look at the, we looked at this verse last Sunday night. What a great celebration we had last Sunday night. It was a blast. And, but look, look, at the, look what David said one time. He said, my life is in your hands. What's he saying? I think one translation says, my times are in your hands. Another one says, my future is in your hands. And what's he really saying? He's saying, my life is in your hands. He's saying that God is my original owner. That's what he's trying to say, that God is my original owner. Now, what I want you to see here, I guess, is, is this idea that that, um, for example, when you're when you're looking on Craigslist or some of you car 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 shopping and you see a little ad and it says one owner, does that excite you? Why? Because you know it's not been driven by several people, especially if it's a little old lady from Pasadena. I guess there's like a lot of them there. I don't know, but you know, driven by a little old lady in Pasadena on Sundays, going to church. Well, that just sounds right, you know. But that one owner makes you go, wow, that's, 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 that's appealing to me. Well, David is saying in this passage, I'm a one owner. I've only had one owner, and it's been God. And I'm literally in his hands. Everything I have is in his hands. I belong to him. Now, you, now we're going to be talking about stewardship in a couple of weeks. And I know some of you might be thinking stewardship. So we're going to be talking about money, man, money management. Stewardship is much more than money management. It's so much more than just nickels and, and dimes and, and meeting budgets and spending and saving. And yeah, there'll probably be a lesson on that. But it's much broader than that. 
I think that, in fact, there's a lot of myths about what stewardship's about, like it's just about money. It's really broadens out to be much more than just dealing with our money, but dealing with everything, managing everything in our lives. And so it starts, the reason I wanted to do a couple of weeks on this idea, I'm yours, Lord, because that's our theme for 2014. And you, when you think, stop and think about it, stewardship, the roots of stewardship are in ownership. It's looking at the ownership. And, and uh, you know, again, next week we'll be looking at part two. I think we'll, we'll talk about, at least I think this is where I'm going right now. It seems like God's leading me in this direction. What does... What does I'm yours, Lord, look like from my end? Today we're going to look at it from God's end. But what's it look like on my end? And how can I give myself to the Lord? What's, what's required to give myself to the Lord? Why is that so important? Because Here's why. When I realize I'm in God's hands, then everything that's in my hands, in your hands, takes on a whole different perspective and a deeper significance. You follow me? So it always starts with ownership. It always starts with ownership. And what I want to talk today about is, is that we belong to God. We belong to God. And, and uh, it all starts there. So I belong to God, and I believe, when I read a passage, I, I'm noticing something, and I found, I've, I've, I, I uh, really stumbled across this passage. And a lot of you guys might think, where do you get your sermons, Tim? Well, there's a lot of sermon sites and I can go type in and I can find, and, you know, some of the best preachers are thieves. Just good thieves. They find good material. There's lots of it out there. There's also a lot of bad material out there. So sometimes we don't steal very good. But I just found, I, I just started typing in my, my concordance, my quick verse, uh, mine, the word mine, owns, belongs. And I came across this passage in Isaiah 44, and it just leaped out. Of that, off that screen, that computer screen, and just grabbed a hold of me and encouraged me personally to see that I belong to God. And I see four things in here that tell us this. Let's read the passage together if you'd like to read it with me. It's in, it's in Isaiah 44. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. We have it up on the screen. It's in the NIV. And notice it says, but now listen. This is the book of Isaiah. During the time when the temple has been destroyed, people have been led into captivity. It's a, it's a grim, sad time in the history of God's people. And, and God is speaking through this prophet Isaiah, and he says, listen. He goes, I want you to get this. It's important you get this more than anything else. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, or my, or my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you? Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in the, in the meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. This is what the Lord, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty says, I am the first and the last. There's no other God. He's encouraging the people 
of God to know something, to understand something. And what he wants them to know is they belong to him. And I thought, very simple lesson today. I'm going to tell you straight up, very simple. You know, and, and yet I find sometimes the simple stuff is what I need. And I was so encouraged this week to realize through hell and high water, and maybe you've had some stuff happen to you. Maybe. Really? Maybe, Tim? Okay, it's happened. Stuff has happened to you. All kinds of things have happened to you. You need to know that you belong to God. You're, you are, he is the original owner of you. How do I know that? Isaiah tells us. And it's almost as if he's saying in 2014, a relevant message we need to hear, like he's talking to us today. What are those four reasons? Well, let me encourage you this morning with these. I belong to God, first of all, because God made me. That's what it says in this passage. Now listen, O Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, circle made, who formed you, circle formed, and will help you, circle help. Those all are very important. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Circle that word chosen again. Look, can you believe that? What's he saying here? He's saying, I've made you. You see, the des- is this true? Would you say this is true? The designer is always the original owner. Think about that for a minute. Whether it's a motorcycle, whether it's a piece of jewelry, the one who made it is the original owner. Agree with that? I happen to have in my hands this crystal angel that I was talking about last week. Wings missing, the arms missing. It looks like something, looks like she's been through the Civil War, you know, and old Sawbones got to, got to her. Sorry. But if you look at the bottom of this thing, this is how I knew I was in trouble when this got broken. On the bottom, there's a little swan, and that is the icon for Swarovski. And this, I found one. Um, I found one the next day. $130 is what it cost me. I couldn't get a knockoff because on the bottom, it has that little emblem and the number. This is a 2012 limited edition. Why does it have to be a limited edition? And I'm seeking all over the place that I I find one online for $97. Yippee! Out of stock. And so I'm stuck with finding one that you can't buy off the shelf anymore. You've got to look it up. And I found three. And the cheapest I could get was $130. Free shipping. Yeah. What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm saying that these guys made this crystal angel. They made several. And they're the original owners. Why is that so significant? Well, let me ask you this question. You have things that you own. If they're stolen, do they cease being yours? Do you still own them, even though they're stolen? Are you the owner? Yeah, you are. You're still the owner. That's why you call the police. Hey, my car is stolen. 
You don't go, well, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's not mine anymore. No. You... This is the cops. Yeah. My car got stolen. Well, describe it. And you can describe it. It's got a little crystal angel hanging from the mirror. But if it's stolen, if you steal it, it's still yours. If you lose it, is it still yours? Absolutely. When does it cease being yours? If you give it away. If you sell it and give it away. Is there a lesson here? God has never given you away. God has never sold you to anybody else. He made you. And He says you are mine. Even if you're lost, even if you get stolen, you are mine. And He will find you if you get lost. A woman lost ten coin, or lost a coin. She had ten. And what did Jesus say that woman did? Oh, well, out of sight. No. She sweeps the whole house looking for that lost coin. What causes a, a coin to be lost? Negligence. Shepherd has a bunch of sheep. He has a hundred of them. Loses one. It wanders off. What happened? It just happens. Nobody knows why. Accidental. It just happened. It wasn't negligence. It was just it wandered away and got lost. And what's the shepherd do? Oh well, I've got these others. No, he goes. That's why does he look? Why does the son? Why does the son who says, "I've had enough, Dad. I'm out of here. Peace out," and he's gone. And he goes away and squanders everything his dad gave him. Poor steward. That's what happens, see, when you fail to see ownership. You start being really stupid with, your, with God's stuff. And what's he do? He goes back. And, and you know there's been other sons. There's been other people walk down this path. But this father runs to this kid. Why? It's his. And just because he walked away doesn't mean, well, that's he's... No longer mine. No. He goes, no, that's my kid. In fact, he says, hurry up, get some shoes on his feet. Why? Because slaves don't wear shoes. Sons wear shoes. Put a ring on his finger. Why? Because sons are to bear the ring of the family. Do you see what's going on here? Do you understand? What a simple thought, but how profound it really is. That you could get lost and God will go look for you. Why? Why you? Because you belong to Him. He made you. You bear the mark of Him. Now, don't be like Woody and start looking for God's name on the bottom of your shoe. But you were made in His image, and that's His mark on you. It starts there. That's what Isaiah is saying. He says, man, you were made. I formed you. And you are mine. That's why. No wonder they would say, I belong to the Lord. And when you understand you belong to God, don't you carry yourself a little differently? Wouldn't you carry yourself a little differently? I think sometimes what happens is we forget God God owns us. Somehow we think we own us. We own ourselves. We don't own ourselves. He didn't make you. I know parents, I'm one of those that thinks, hey, i got two boys. They're mine. And we get pretty possessive. They're gifts from God. Well, I made them. I was there when it was... Okay. Yeah, we can establish that. TMI. Okay. But you may have made them, but God says, well, actually, I made them in the womb. They're really mine. So as parents, we must dedicate our children to God because they're His to do whatever He sees fit. So 
the first reason, I think the number one reason we belong to God, I get from Isaiah, is that He made me, and I should remember that. The second thing is I belong to God because God has a plan for me. Now, we've heard, we've heard this many times. We've heard it from the pulpit many times. God has a plan for you. Maybe you have somebody say, God has a plan for you. We think of certain passages. Uh, for I have plans for you, declares the Lord. And they, it's true. It's true. And when you stop and think about it, it points to ownership. It points to ownership. I mean, let's think about this for a minute. The idea that I have plans, I'll go to Lowe's and I buy some two-by-fours and some, some uh, plywood and some drywall, and I put them in my pickup truck, I'm, I've got a plan in my head. I'm going to build something. I'm not coming up to you and saying, i got plans for your drywall and your two-by-fours and your stuff. No, these are mine. I bought them. They're mine. Make sense? Is it possible that plans indicate ownership as well? Now, I know we can go too far with this because my wife has lots of plans for me. Well, and husbands, we have lots of plans for our wives, too. Am I right? Parents, we have plans for our kids. Disciplers, we have plans for those we, we work with and mentor. Sometimes we get confused and we... And we start thinking we own them somehow. You owe me. Ever anybody say that? If it weren't for me, you couldn't have. And I could just see, you know, we tap them on the shoulder. Uh, if it weren't for me. And then boom, boom, boom. Yes, Lord. If it weren't for me. Like I say, I, I, I'm just being honest. I have plans for my stuff. It's my stuff, so i got plans for it. And my wife may have plans for me. I know she has a plan today that I'm going to fix a water leak at our house. I know that's plan. Yeah, and it's a plan. She's going to have, and, she's, and I, by the way, I've incorporated her plan. Does that mean she owns me? Ryan, don't say yes. What are you doing? Man, by the way, Ryan is single, and ladies, he says that women... A wife should own the man. There you go. You got a guy right there. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Not all plans indicate that, but God's plans do. God's plans indicate ownership of you and I as a Christian, as a believer, as a human being. Even as a human being, whether I follow God or not, I'm His. You can't say I don't have plans for my kids. Do I have plans for your kids? Not as much as I have plans for my kids. Well, well I understand what I'm saying. I don't know. Some of the plans I had aren't too good, okay? But look, look at this passage here in Isaiah 40, 44 again, verses 1 and 2. But now listen, O Jacob. And he also says, O Jacob, my servant. Would you circle Jacob, whom I have chosen? This is what the Lord says. He made you and formed you in the womb and who will help you. Don't be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, circle that too, whom I've chosen. I, what I notice is, I, what I see here is I see names being thrown around here. He talks about Israel. He talks about Jacob. He talks about Jeshurun. What are these? And these names are significant in this passage. For example, he says, Jacob, my servant. What's he saying there? 
What's God's plan for me? When He calls His people, you're like Jacob. Well, the word Jacob means the one who grabs at someone's heel. Someone who rips somebody off. Is that what He's calling me to do? If that's the case, Tim, I'm, man, I'm doing a great job. No, I don't think He's talking about that. You know, Esau would say, your name's Jacob. You swindled me out of these things. But it's, it means to grab a hold of something. In this case, he's got a hold of a heel. And, and the word Jacob also means follower. Did you know that? Jacob would wrestle with God and walk with a limp while he followed God for the rest of his life. And what did he do as he followed God with that limp? He served him. God has plans for you and I to serve his purpose. You know, last week we had our celebration. And it was I, I'm watching it, you know, we had lots of new faces, had a great time. The food was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. And Rhonda, you know, I told Rhonda, I said, Rhonda, when we had that elders appreciation meal, we ran out of food. And one of your elders only got two pieces of chicken and I brought 50 pieces. And I got two of them in the, out of the box before I set it down because the locust plague campus ministry took over. And there were, you know, children had flesh. No, they didn't. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. But we ran, I said, let's don't run out of food. Well, man, last week, she looks at me and goes, I go, yeah, we got a lot. I ate too much. But then we got together and we worshipped and we learned about, again, God owns it all. And we're giving ourselves to the Lord. But what thrilled me the most, one of the things that I went home, I go, was all the serving going on. People were pitching in. I mentioned it a couple of times, and everybody's just jumping in there. And I, there was a crew that was setting things up and, and getting things ready. And there was a crew taking things down. And I'm like, this is, what's going on here? And I asked Denise Davidson, and I said, Denise, did you see? Yeah, I saw that. What do you think's going on? She goes, I think people are anxious and ready and eager to serve right now, Tim. So hats off to you, church. I really, I thought it was, what, a, what an awesome display of service. You know, God wants to do that with us. There's so many other ways. He wants to use you as a servant. There's another name he uses, and it's Israel. And what's so significant about this name Israel? What it's, Israel means my chosen. In other words, people with a purpose. By the way, did you know the Greek word, the Bible word, the, early, the, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which was everyday Greek language. And the Greek language is very specific. He uses the word ekklesia for the church. And it means a group of people that are called out to serve. And he says, he says to them, listen, I have a plan for you to be a servant, but I also have a purpose in your life I want to give you. I want you to, I want you to have this purpose in your life with everything you do that covers everything you own, everything that, you've get, that God has given you. And then he says this other name, Jeshurun. What an interesting name. What's that all about? What's Jeshurun mean? It means upright ones. The word means those that are upright. And what is, what is he talking about? He's talking about being examples to the world. Examples of what, Tim? I think, I believe that when you read, I've, again, reading my Bible, I get the idea that God wants a people to show the rest of the world his love for them. And how you respond to this kind of love. How it radically changes your life. 
It makes us upright when we can't be on our own. So God wants us, yes, He wants us to grow in our character. I believe that God really is after that. That's what we learned last year with raising fruit. He's after character. And, he, and, and so, that, so one of the things He, he wants for me, you know, as, a, as a parent, I want, here's what I wanted my sons to have. I wanted them to get an education. I wanted them to marry well and get a good job. That was pretty basic, you know, those things. Most of all, I wanted them to have a deep commitment to God. I wanted that to sense their purpose. That's what I was after. Well, your father in heaven looks at you kids, looks at me as a kid, and he says, I have the same desire. I want you to, I want you to, I want you, yes, I want you to marry well. I want you to know some things and have a good education and know my will. Okay, and, and yes, I want you the things you do. I want them to. I want you to enjoy work. I want you to be rewarded from your work. But most of all, I want you near me. I want you close to me. Why? Because you're mine. You're mine. I hope this year in 2014 you're thinking of ways to get closer and closer to God. Whether it's the daily Bible that you know that Christy just got. Some of you are still following the daily text, and you can get that on GreaterAltonChurch.org. You can read it there. Tom puts it on there and posts it for me as well as some of you are getting it directly from me. And I'm not saying it's the only way to get deeper, but that we have this, this desire and this hunger to know the owner. How many times I've heard this, people walk in, I want to speak to the owner. One time I had a guy come in, he was mad. I want to speak to the owner. And I go, well, he's not here right now. <laughs> he's not? Who are you? I'm just a peon. I grab a rag. I'm just cleaning up her. You look like the owner. Oh, no. Had a guy from the IRS come in. I need to speak to the owner. And he named off Steve, who was my partner. Well, I bought him out. Well, he's not here. Well, there's another owner here. And I'm going, oh, Lord, let it be somebody else. Tim Gill. That's me. And sometimes when I hear I want to speak to the owner, it's usually to vent or complain. Sometimes, it's rare, I get a call. I want to speak to the owner. Hello? This is the owner. Fantastic job. Thank you for taking care of that car. Thank you for taking Guys, I, you know, are you wanting to talk to the owner? Are you after the owner? Or are you discontent with mental management? Tell me what to do, discipler. Tell me what to do, leader. I don't like you, leader. I want to talk to the leader. Well, you know, if you could can, you can bypass him and, you know, go a little further up the chain. Why not talk to the owner, too? Oh, man, guys, God has a plan for your life, and that's, that's a sign of ownership, of anything. That confirms it. But there's another reason you, you and I belong to God. Not just because He's made us. That's a biggie. He has plans for us. The other, the other reason is the third reason, and that is that He, he bought me. He bought me. What do you mean? The word is redeemer. Look at this passage. This is verse, verse 6. This is what the Lord says. That Israel's king and redeemer. And I want to emphasize king, circle king, and redeemer. Why buy those two words? He's king. In other words, he owns it and rules over everything in the kingdom. He also has the power to protect everybody in the kingdom. But he's a redeemer. That's what it says. 
This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first. I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. He says, there's no other God. I'm it. And one of the things about me you need to know to those he owns, he says, I redeemed you. I, there's a story, my favorite story of all. Um, I heard it from an old preacher years ago when I was a kid, and I still like it. And you've probably heard it before. I'd like to hear it again. So here's how it goes. There was this kid, and he had a sailboat he had built. He had made this sailboat. I picture a red one for some reason. And he had made the little sails. It's like a pond boat. If you've ever seen American Pickers, they made those in the early 1900s, pond boats. And they're very fascinating things. A great toy. And kids would normally have a little string attached to them, and they would sail them in the ponds or in the streams, nearby streams, have a great time with them. If it ever got away from them, they could always pull it in and reel it back in. Now, this boy had spent time making this one little hammer marks where he'd missed someplace and dented the, the boards, you know. And so he, uh, he painted himself the strings and the masts and the, 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 the sails. And he's having it out. He's playing in a little creek and he's having a great time with it when a gust of wind picks up and the string breaks and it off goes his sailboat. So you can just imagine. He's running alongside trying to get to, trying to catch up with the boat, trying to get ahead of it. But you know how briars and Trees grow, and he's, he's getting caught up in those, and he, the boat's getting further ahead of him, and it's getting out of sight, and it's gone. He goes home, just broken about it. Spent all that time and lost it on the very first time he used it. A huh. couple of months go by, he's walking home from school, and he sees a second-hand store, and he sees in the window a boat, and it kind of looks like his. It's red, but it's all scratched up. One of the masts is broken, sail is ripped, scuffed up, and he looks closer. He goes, that is my boat. And he runs in to the guy who owns the place and says, hey, that's my boat. That's my boat. I made that boat. That's my boat. And the guy says, come down, son. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? That's my boat. I want my boat. I, I, I can't give it to you. Why not? Somebody else brought this in a couple of weeks ago. And, and But let me show you. And he pulls the boat off. See, the marks where I made the den with the hammer. It's mine. And he goes, Son, I can't. I, I don't know that. Well, but it's mine. He goes, well, if you really want it, it'll cost you a dollar. Now, you think a kid would have a dollar. He didn't have anything. He went home, looked at the sofa, looked at the washer and dryer, seeing if he could find any change sitting there. How many times have you done that, huh? He used to do it all the time. He realizes he's gonna, he starts doing jobs, little odd jobs, trying to earn just a dollar is all he's trying to get. Finally, he gets his dollar, and he can't wait. He runs to the secondhand store, pays the man, grabs the boat, hugs it, and says, Oh, you are twice mine. I love that. Because I only made you, I bought you back. And God, I want to tell you guys, the Lord, how do you know you belong to God? He would redeem you. It means to exchange, to trade. He traded something for you. You read the book of Isaiah. He traded whole nations for Israel. But you know what he traded for you, right? You know he traded his own son. That's how much he, you belong to him. And yeah, maybe you've, you've gotten banged up and busted and scratched up. And, but look, Lord, I'm not worth much. I'm a, look, I'm broke. I'm like a buck, maybe. 
Somebody would say, you're worth a buck, not your Lord. Look at the Bible says here. Look at the Bible says to us uh, as, it, as it describes redemption here. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, it says these words. Or don't you know, or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You hear that, church? You hear what the Bible is saying to you this morning? You do not belong to yourself. You were bought. You were bought with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It says in Isaiah 43, that verse before, look at it, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God bought you back. Oh, yeah. Guys, who hasn't messed up? Who hasn't been scratched by life or broken by sin? All of us have. All of us have. All of us feel worthless at times. And yet, what's God do? I will buy it back. I'll buy you back. Why would you want to buy me back, Lord? Because you belong to me to begin with. And I'm not going to let anybody or anything keep you from being mine. But I walked away from you. So what? I've, I arrange life to have consequences that will make you, like a son, go, I'm going back to dad's. I'll be like a woman and look for you till I find you. I'll be like a shepherd. So if it happens, you don't even, didn't even mean for it to happen, I'm going to look for you. And if you, even if you meant to, to do that, I will run to you. That's how much you belong to me. You're not somebody else's kid. You're not somebody else's thing. You're mine. You're mine. All mine. So he'll buy you back. God gives you your value, not somebody. God says you're valuable when everybody else might say you're worthless. What a piece of crap. Somebody might say that. God doesn't see it. He says, what a piece, what a masterpiece of my work. Church, I'm, I'm floored by that. I'm encouraged by that. Because you and I have a Redeemer who will buy you back again and again and again. Why? Because He belongs to you. And there's a fourth reason. There's a fourth reason I want you to see here in the book of Isaiah. And it's simply that I belong to God because God will take care of me. He promises to take care of me. I think we read earlier in the, in the, in the passage, He says, I'm the Lord who made you, who formed you in the womb, and will help you. But look what He says here in verses 3 and 4. For I will pour water on the thirsty land, and streams on the dry ground. Why is he saying that? He's saying right now, it looks like Israel is about dead. It looks like the people, it's like a, a drought has happened. It's, Jerusalem's been leveled. People have been taken away. And he says, but I will take care of you. And I want to say to you, look what he says. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in, in a meadow, like poplar trees by the flowing streams. And he says, and they will say, some will say, I belong to God because of that. Some of you here, have you ever wondered about this? Sometimes you go, how did this happen? This incredibly good things happen. You know, Debbie Waters tell me about her brother who had cancer. They give him 
said, you need to get your house in order. You're going to be dead. Get your house in order. He goes back. He goes back just last week. And he says, you know what? We can't find it. We can't find it. You know, on a scale, you know, give you a scale like, you know, we, we would say on a scale, whatever it be, we had you at a 26, but now you're at a 1. What do you think's going on? I don't know. I've been positive. He goes, I've been thinking positive thoughts. I'm not saying positive thoughts don't have power, but I know who sits on the throne of power. And you do too, don't you? And he promises to take care of us when we trust him. God will take care of you and I. Look what he says here. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. I want some of you here, somebody needs to hear this this morning. You've been going through the ringer. You've had some stuff happen. You're going, I don't know which way's up. I'm kind of like that angel you have in your pocket, Tim. Broken wing and a busted arm. You know, and, but I want you to know, if you look closely, yeah, you might have a busted wing. Yeah, you might have something broken or, or just messed up right now. But if you look close, you bear the mark of God. A masterpiece with people. It's kind of like, like Toy Story. Remember, remember Woody and Buzz? They're trapped in Sid's house. Hmm. You bear the marks of God. He's He's your owner. And I, guys, I don't know. It It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. And I say this not to mean that what you do doesn't matter. I'm saying whatever you do, do, whatever you've done, doesn't mean that doesn't make God own you. You are His. And He, from heaven, thinks you're the greatest. He looks at you and wants to be close to you. Some of you here are going to leave today, and you're probably going to go on with your lives and do whatever. You're going to be just as close to God as you want to be. And that might be pretty far away. I hope, I hope you would change your mind today. Because though you may belong to God, you determine how close you're going to be and how, what that belonging is going to mean. I hope you just go away today saying, you know, Lord, I'm going to make a commitment to let you own me. Really have your way with me as, your, as my true owner. I've kind of been my own owner and I'm not getting it done. And I never realized that you made me. I never thought about it, how you have a plan for me. It never even occurred to me that you bought me back. Maybe you need to surrender that today and that on this card Make that decision. I'm going to surrender my ownership. I'm going to sign the title of my life over to God. It really, he's the original owner. It needs to go back to him. Let him have his way with me. Let this series on stewardship, let his ownership begin to have an impact on your stewardship. You banged up, busted. You know, maybe you've gotten away. God says, come on back. I was talking to somebody this week. I said, come back to God. Come back to this church. I miss you. Maybe I want to say to you, come back to God. Come back to this church. We miss you. God misses you. You're not busted up beyond repair or beyond a desire to love. Is there a choice you need to make this morning? 
make it make it today. Make it. We're going to sing a song. Give you an opportunity to fill out your card. And I know you got lots of prayer requests, but would you make a commitment on that card today? It says, "I'm going to let God own me. I'm going to I'm going to return ownership to Him." It'll it'll change everything, and it'll be for the better. We're going to sing a song, let you do that, and then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards and our contribution, and and then our services will be over, and you'll have the rest of the day to think and reflect and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy your week. Hopefully we'll see you next week. Let's pray.